0: quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com you're listening to that chelsea podcast episode 50 look who's back Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Of two months away, we are back, and I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. Jack, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. Recharged the
2: batteries and uh, ready to go for another season. And yeah, just just buzzing after the last few days and uh, seeing the imminent arrival of Big Rom back to Chelsea. So
0: For sure, we've got an exciting season ahead. Yeah, we will get onto that very shortly. Been uh, keeping yourself up too much in the off season. <laughs> Yeah, a few
2: bits and bobs just working uh, Monday to Friday, but I'm also actually um, training because I'm doing doing the London Marathon in October. So um, yeah, I'm putting in some putting in some hard yards this week. I've I've done over fifty k, I think. So yeah, it's tough on the legs, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll get something out soon. Uh, Nick will post a post the Just Giving link and everything, but I'm hoping. I'll have something, something pretty special that we'll be able to give away. So everyone, keep your keep your eyes peeled for that.
0: Yeah, keep an eyes, keep your eyes peeled on Twitter. And yeah, all credit to Jack. You wouldn't certainly catch me running a London marathon. <laughs> uh, we're joined by Adam Youson uh, from Football London. Adam, how have you been? Nice, I guess summer off from you know reporting on the crazy club that is Chelsea.
1: Oh no, it's not been summer off by any stretch. Um, been very busy. Managed to get a couple of weeks off, sort of either side of uh, the Euros, which was nice. But yeah, no, it has not been uh, not been quiet, despite the fact Chelsea haven't really made too many signings uh, this summer. Of
0: course, uh, as always with guests, I get themselves uh, to give them a plug now I'm sure most of you are now a bit more familiar with Adam since when he first come on of uh, the pod but Adam is a writer for Football London uh, Adam, why Adam not you sort of just tell the people sort of a bit a bit about your work and about the work Football London's doing because obviously you guys at Football London have also made a few exciting additions this summer
1: yeah so yeah I'm over at Football London or you know at Adam Neeson on Twitter and I'm gonna be making more of an effort with my other socials just because you know probably should at this point uh so yeah on Facebook as well if you can come like my journalist page don't try and friend request me on Facebook because I don't use it apart from that um and yeah I've going to be running my Instagram a bit more so I think it's at newson 27 on there um and yeah Football London yeah we've brought in some interesting uh, interesting people I think down the line so Obviously, yeah, we're talking about Joe McIntosh, uh, Daniel Charles, and obviously Carefree Use going to be coming as well. Um, And these guys are going to be running um, sort of a separate entity to Football London in time, um, where it'll be sort of more of a fan-orientated platform, um, which I think is going to be really, really good. Uh, And I'd say this is going on across reaches like many, many titles in Manchester, Liverpool, but I would struggle to think that there's going to be anybody uh, in terms of the level of of content and strength that is going to rival Chelsea just because of the guys that they've managed to get in. Yeah,
0: no, I completely agree And that we've had Daniel on the pod multiple times and he is a brilliant guest, a brilliant football mind and Jay as well And the pod work he and Dan doing care for youth is an account for Jack and I've been, you know, keeping an eye out for years so no, it's really exciting times. Uh, they're right, there is only one place to start. Romelu Lukaku, uh, you know, it's been, you know, we've, been, we've needed to sign a striker, I think it's fair to say. We got the Fabrizio Romano, here we go. Didier Drogba today, you know, all but confirmed it. Jack, feelings on the imminent arrival of Romelu Lukaku?
2: Yeah, just honestly, absolutely buzzing. I think it's the first, well, it's a bit hard to say, but like it is almost like first proper striker we're, we're going to have since, since a Diego Costa, someone that's ruthless in front of goal and will hopefully go and score 20-plus goals a season. Yeah. Um, there's almost been a void at Chelsea since Costa left, and just getting replacement after replacement, having to go through the likes of your Murattas and your Higuains, et etc., um, to get to this point. But he, he he's 28 and in in his prime, so hopefully he can just hit the ground running as as quick as possible. Because um, uh, in this in this Chelsea team, he's he's going to get chances. You've seen since. Tushal joined us. I think we create. We've created the most chances. Had the second most amount of shots. So, if we've got someone that that's lethal in front of goal, that's that's only going to be great things. And I honestly think having that addition should
0: should make us challenge for for the league this season. I really do. And Adam, obviously, you know, as a journalist, I guess there's quite a nice for you like a narrative to pick up from. I think I think it's about this around this time, about weekend, about ten years ago that Romelu Lukaku actually signed. For Chelsea, the first time, and look, I know that, you know, a lot of talk was about Erling Haaland this year. That's not going to happen now. It seemed unlikely anyway, but it would happen. And as soon as Jaden Sancho was off to United, that to me kind of killed that deal off, despite even if Chelsea offered this fantasy offer that was supposedly quoted. But in Romelu Lukaku, would you say that Chelsea probably getting a top three, top five striker in the world? And how excited are you? As well as a chelsea fan about seeing him you know come home and hopefully this is his chance to sort of fulfill his dream
1: yeah that's a really nice narrative um think, you know i think everyone's seen the video that's on youtube of him at Stamford bridge when he was 17 looking around in awe and obviously a year later he got his move and for for varying reasons it didn't really work out um came close to coming back in 2017 didn't happen whereas now it does seem probably the right time for him and very much the right time for Chelsea um I do think he's you know probably one of the top three strikers now in world football to be getting that for under 100 million is probably good business on Chelsea's part the fact it seems to have maybe also stopped Tottenham from signing Lautaro Martinez is an added bonus um which I think you could probably throw on top of the fee so you know for 98 odd million you've managed to sign a player and stop Tottenham doing it um and you know the Harlan stuff yeah I mean Chelsea's interest was real they did explore the possibility of bringing him in but as you say there was probably a few things that needed to go Chelsea's way the first was Dortmund not being in the Champions League but then they qualified for it Sancho going um also made it harder and just the money involved it was so so astronomical that you know Marina Graham Sky is an excellent businesswoman, and the fact that this guy was available for 70 million next summer must have been in her head when Dortmund are quoting 150, 160. So yeah, I think Chelsea have come out of it very well. Lukaku's score goals absolutely guaranteed that he's going to score goals. Um, and that's all that Chelsea really need.
0: Yeah, I you know, I don't want to say it's a foolproof signing because this but it it does almost feel as close to foolproof as possible. The fact that he has shone. In the premier League before has said he, you know, under Antonio Conte, he reached phenomenal, phenomenal levels. I guess the fact that he's also having played under Conte worked in a sort of a free back system. Um, but how excited, Adam, do you think is the potential that beyond that he could maybe unlock or you know imp- help improve the likes of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz's game? You know, because we saw Timo Werner was at Leipzig, was actually probably better off playing off a striker like Yusuf Pulse and also Kai Havertz as well. We've seen him. Sort of in that full nine, but how well he could benefit of playing someone like Romelu Lukaku?
1: Yeah, I think both can massively. Uh, the same for, for Mason Mount and probably whoever else you want to chuck in around those, sort of in those two positions either side of Lukaku. I mean, if you have someone like a Werner on the left, Lukaku through the middle and Havertz on the right, I mean, that's difficult to contain. You could see someone like Werner stretching a defence. You can see Lukaku doing that too. And that's going to obviously open up loads of spaces for someone like a Kai Havertz to then exploit or a Mason Mount. Um, so I think it just opens up a lot of different ways for Chelsea to attack, um, which they necessarily you know didn't have last year. They were sort of a bit more... Uh, structured and or sort of limited in how they were going to actually attack sides, especially those that sat deep. So I think this does free up um, sort of Tuchel to, to be a bit more uh, expressive of how Chelsea attack now. Um, and I say it should absolutely help Werner as uh, soon as, you know, the change to VAR will help him as well. Um, and yeah, I'm expecting big things from Kai Havertz this year.
0: Jack, um, I guess, you know, quickly, the other signing Marcus Bettinelli, third choice keeper, Yay, homegrown, homegrown status, um, ticked uh, quickly. Jack, you know, Lionel Messi has left Barcelona. You know, he's he's more than likely off to PSG. But um, yeah, just quick, how much? How, you know, how much would you lo- have loved to see Messi at Stamford Bridge?
2: Honestly, I'm not even taking the piss here. Just you saying that, honestly, it just gives me goosebumps. That that man is is just an absolute genius. What I grew up watching football the type of player that makes you fall in love with with the game of football when you're six seven eight just the way he glides past people is he does so it, his goal scoring and assist record is unbelievable I think I think he's played 700 and something games for Barca and he's got 900 goal contributions in total something like that but it's the things that you don't see uh, that those, those two things don't take into account. Those, those uh, like him dribbling past people, his passing, things like that, just, he's just, he's from another planet and for me, is is the best ever and probably, probably will, will remain the best ever. So, um, yeah, I was just absolutely gutted for him seeing that interview this morning as well so you can see how much of a shock it was to him uh, being told that they can't make the deal go through even though they were saying that he'd taken a huge, huge pay cut, and they still couldn't get that through the regulations, etc. But if, I mean, i you'd just be in fantasy land if he joined Chelsea. Honestly, I I don't know what to say. It just even if he sat on the bench, just I'd just say to Roman, just get your wallet out, sign him, just for the for the massive like boost it would give Chelsea. Globally, having a player like that, you you make all the money back on his wages in about a week on his shirt sales. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm in dreamland here. But um, yeah, I'd I'd love him to be at Chelsea. Although I know it's he's uh, imminently going to PSG.
0: Yeah, Adam, when you kind of heard the news that Messi broke, was part of you thinking go on? Ro- was part of you thinking, oh, Roman's probably already <laughs> on the blower you know, get, get speaking to Messi's <laughs> entourage, getting it done.
1: I mean, look, yeah. Uh, I think, I don't know if I said it the last time I was on, you know, for my 30th birthday, my wife organised for me to go to the Camp Nou to watch Barca simply because I wanted to watch Messi before he retired. Um, So that was a big dream of mine fulfilled. And the possibility, no matter how small of him playing for Chelsea, of course, that's going to excite any Chelsea fan. Look, I don't know personally, I don't know if Chelsea contacted his entourage or a dad or whatever you want to call it. I kind of feel it's negligible if they didn't. Um, If they just didn't drop a text in and go, does he fancy it? Um, Even though it looks, you know, I think pretty much most people knew he was going to go PSG. But yeah, it would have been an incredible, incredible moment had Chelsea uh, been able to do it. But, um, But, you know, the money that PSG can offer is even sort of blows anything probably Chelsea can offer in terms of a structure, wage structure and everything. So, yeah, it's a bit of a cold move. I'm not going to lie to go to PSG. It feels a bit unromantic, but you know money talks it's fine he can go to yeah. psg and they
0: still won't win the champions league next season um, <laughs> right sticking st- sticking in la liga though jules kunde is a man that was linked with chelsea It all of a sudden that story story came out of nowhere uh I and mean, it's kind of died down a little bit i guess now with lukaku uh taking uh control of the situation a bit more uh adam you know you wrote a piece on jules kunde um fabrizio kind of said you know hinted at like Kunde was sort of Chelsea's next or sort of priority sell so now that Lukaku is sorted. We were kind of hearing that Kurt Zuma might have to go the other way. How do you kind of see the Kunde deal going? Do you think it will happen this window? And like, if it happens, do you think Chelsea will have to uh, like to have to sell Zuma to get there? I mean, or or another centre back, or do you think they perhaps sign Kunde regardless?
1: I think they'll sign him regardless, and then try and get one of the defenders off their books. Obviously, the sort of easiest or most logical one is Zuma, just because he wasn't a regular last season. Um, But you know, the transfer market is a deflated place at the moment. There's not a load of 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 money about sort of outside of the Premier League, Um, and it's been incredibly difficult for Chelsea to shift a lot of players they probably would like to shift this summer. So. I think they will go and get Kunde. They are working on it. I mean, it's been put on the back burner for a sort of week while uh, they focus very much on getting Lukaku done. But yeah, I, I think he comes in and, and definitely one defender goes. Who that is, it sort of remains to be seen. I kind of think if someone places a big offer on the table for one of Rudiger, Christensen, Zuma, um, then if that's what Chelsea receive, then they might actually genuinely have to take it because there isn't a load of money around at the moment. So... Um, so while Zoom is the most likely I wouldn't rule out the other two if a big bid came in for either of them.
0: Fair enough. Obviously, I know you saw sort of, you wrote your article, you know, um, you know, uh, you can't kind of detail that the lack of hype potentially might be a slight weakness, you know, not I'm sure when Chelsea Twitter found that some sections had an absolute field day going after, but you kind of you know you've probably seen you know Jules Kounde a lot more than say Jack and I. I can't be honest; I did not watch Sevilla every week last season, so apologies, people. Um, but what would you say are, like his sort of biggest strengths and sort of yeah,
1: and what he could offer to this Chelsea team should he sign? I mean, you know, I, I didn't watch him play your sort of 40 games that he would have played for Sevilla last season. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think what he offers is. An excellent presence on the ball. Like he's hugely, hugely adept at stepping out with the ball from uh, a back four or a back three um, and not just stepping out and playing a pass. He can step out and beat a couple of players and really open up the pitch. Um, the lack of height thing, I mean, he knows it's a th- like, not a weakness, but he knows he'll be targeted. Uh, he's 5'10, which is short for a centre back. And the Premier League is not necessarily more physical than Liga now, but I think referees are willing to let more go when it comes to attackers challenging defenders for for high balls forward. And I think that will be the interesting thing. I not I, you know, that piece wasn't me saying he's gonna be rubbish. People are gonna expose him in the air. It's more just that I'm actually quite interested to see how he handles this because most Premier League centre backs are six foot plus at least. Um you know, you look at Virgil van Dijk. This is a guy who wins sort of seventy-five percent of his aerial duels, and Koundé won—I think it was sixty-three. I think it was um, percent in La Liga last year. So it is going to be a challenge for him, but he's got a very good leap, and it might be one that he can handle. But it is just going to be interesting to see how it goes if he does arrive.
0: Yeah, I think in your article you said that I think out of Chelsea's defenders, only Cesar Sblaqueta he was perhaps better in B. But I guess that's also perhaps you know a crumb of comfort as well. Gimba Asplaqueta has performed excellently on that sort of right side and It's right side, it's end back round. That is where where Kunde um, would play. But I'm going to take a slightly negative note now because there have been some outgoings from Chelsea this summer, and unfortunately, quite a few of them have been some some young players with a lot of promise. Um, firstly, I'll just kind of go through uh, the loan list. Uh, so Billy gummer went to Norwich. Uh, quick, quickly, Jack. Good move for Billy. Playing yeah, regularly, playing move. in a good team. Great
2: move. Yeah, Daniel Farker plays some play some decent football. I know they struggled last time they came up, but I think he slots in perfectly there. And they've had the likes of Vrancic, people like that, leave last year. So I think he's going to get a lot of game time, which is exactly what he needs.
0: Yeah. Uh, Connor Gallagher has gone to Crystal Palace. Uh, Jamie Cummings gone out on loan again. Levy Colwell has gone to Huddersfield. Henry Lawrence has gone to FC Wimbledon. Uh, I believe, is it Nathan Baxter went to Hull City? I believe that's right. Yeah. He was on the bench for them. The other day, apologies if I have missed some others. Um, so yeah, there's some exciting moves there, but unfortunately in the sold department, we did lose two very exciting, promising centre-backs. Now, Adam, I guess for Kyle Tamori kind of felt for a while like it was a lost cause. You kind of felt like the writing was on the wall for that. You don't quite know necessarily like just what went wrong. You know, it, it kind of like it, it predates kind of to Thomas Tuchel what, what happened there. But that was a shame losing him to to Milan. But I guess perhaps the more disappointing thing from a Chelsea perspective was then lose losing one promising centre-back, and then shortly after losing another one in Mark Gerhey. Um, He's gone to Crystal Palace for 20 mil, looking to play regular first-team football. It's a you know brilliant, I guess, career move for Mark, you know, to give plaudits for young, yeah, young player backing themselves, taking charge of their career, but do you feel that, you know, it could have perhaps been avoided from Chelsea's part, or is it just, you know, one of those where it's kind of tough, given the, the performances of, you know, Rudiger, Christensen, etc., who performed well at a really high level and you know trying to offer a pathway to it might not have been easy
1: I mean I feel Chelsea could have avoided it if they really wanted to Um, and this isn't just a this summer problem I think this is a a longer term problem that was kind of quashed a little bit when Frank Lampard was here but as soon as he went I think it reared its head again Um, yeah I mean if Chelsea had been sort of still consistently giving younger lads a chance over the last six months of, of Tuchel's reign and maybe he sticks around but I think the flip side of this is you know as we said earlier there's not a lot of money around in the transfer market this summer uh, outside of the Premier League um, and Chelsea have so many players on their books that they may have they may have simply had to make a judgment call on okay we actually have an offer for this guy we don't have offers for the other 15 players on our books at the moment and we probably do need to bring some cash in if we are going to spend on the positions we want to improve. So, okay, we have to make a judgment call here and, and you know, take this off seeing as seeing as Mark isn't a signing a new contract and, and B doesn't want to get caught in sort of the cycle of loans. So it's a good move for him. Um, it's good that Chelsea have the sort of matching rights or whatever you want to call it, which, you know, gives them a little bit of protection, but not a huge amount. Um, but it's a good move for him. It's a shame from Chelsea's perspective, as I think he'll be an excellent sort of centre back in the Premier League. Um, and it kind of leaves Chelsea in a weird position with their centre backs, just given Aspilicueta, Silva, Rudiger, and Christensen, as things stand, are all out of contract next summer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lewis Bate has gone to Leeds. Olivier Giroud has gone to AC Milan. I think no one, you know, no one begrudges him that move. Everyone's happy for him playing regularly at a top level. They're still playing a top club. Uh, Mars put Harris's left, uh, Simu's left, and perhaps, again, you know, and a slight disappointing one, although, again, there's perhaps a slight crumb of comfort in the fact that we have, I believe, got a buyback clause in him. Uh, Tino Livramento has gone to Southampton. Uh, Adam, again, just curious to get your opinion. It's obviously, Chelsea at the start window were linked with Ashraf Hakimi. That move never happened. They also linked with Adama Traore. And look, we know deals aren't, you know, the, these deals perhaps aren't the easiest to get done and Hakimi, you know, if you're led to believe that his, you know, partner might actually be quite influential in him moving to Paris. But when you kind of, you know, a link go sort of go in for these players, but don't perhaps fully commit, you then kind of rear the consequences of upsetting a young and that you perhaps disenfranchising a young player in Livermento who feels now nah, they don't, I'm not going to get the chance. So do you think perhaps Chelsea's half-hearted efforts at going in for a like a wing back this year has partly contributed to Livramento, uh seeking to go elsewhere?
1: Uh, maybe a little. I mean, it wouldn't have helped for sure. Uh, but I think it's important to remember that the offer to deliver a had been on the table for a lot of last season. Um, and he didn't sign it then because of the, the sort of pathways reason. And you look at that right wing back spot and you have Reese James in front of you or, you know, if you change system, the right back spot, Reese is what, 21, 22. Uh, he's not going to be going anywhere. Um so it just in that sense is a hard, it's a hard sort of position to, to break into in the Chelsea first team. Um, and then yeah, when you see the club going after players like Hakimi or Traore, who Hakimi I get because he's very very like what top three maybe right wing backs in, in Europe. Uh, Traore I don't necessarily get as much, um, but that does influence you. Um, Bay and Liverpool have both offered new deals by Chelsea this summer. Again, they both turned them down. Um, they would have been quite lucrative offers, I'm sure. Um, which shows you this wasn't a money thing for them. It was simply a football thing. And both of them seem to have made quite good moves. Um, I know people jumped on the fat bait, went into the under-23s at Leeds, first of all. But given the sort of strict instructions or, or sort of tactical disciplines that Bielsa demands from any player going to Leeds, I'm not hugely surprised at that. Um, and Tina Liveramento has gone straight into the first-team squad at Southampton and uh, on his unofficial debut uh, or pre-season debut yesterday got an assist so yeah good moves for both of them frustrating disappointing from a Chelsea perspective but again if if you if you've got bids this summer for players you really do have to listen to them because there's not there's there's not loads of them going in for the for, for, for the players you probably want to get rid of
0: are you would you say as a chess fan maybe be slightly worried that Chelsea are reverting back to old ways you know losing talented promising youngsters obviously it kind of seems you know looking at perhaps cynically but you, you know Frank Lampard was that path opened and closed with Frank Lampard um is it is it perhaps cynical to think that given also Tuchel's not been here you know he's been here six months and when he, he came his first instructor would just win just get results um it does it feel to you maybe that the pathway the youth pathway is closing a bit or do you still think you know that the cream will rise to rise to the top
1: I mean, it's not just, you know, Tino Livramento and, and Lewis Bates. There are younger players who also left this summer. Um, so, in my feelings, yes, uh, there will be players that, that do move on and back themselves to succeed elsewhere. Um, but then, you know, there are always going to be other players who who do sign that first professional contract with Chelsea. Obviously, we've seen Armando Broja do it this summer. Um, Tino Livramento, uh, Tino Andrew, sorry, did it last season um, and has been with the first team squad for the best part of eight months now um, and Tuchel really, really likes uh, Andrin. Um, so there will be players that always back themselves at Chelsea, but there'll be plenty of others, I'm sure, that that see a pathway away from the club. And and yeah, I mean, the Frank Lampard 18 months was a bit of a, a sort of turn away from what Chelsea had become used to. So. I think it was uh, it was just a, a not aberration, but it was a break from the norm while well, Lampard was here, and Chelsea will probably go back to the tried and trusted. But then it's brought results, so you know who who, and, who uh, are we to have a big say in that? I mean, when you've won yeah. Champions League and Premier League titles, and you know that side of
2: it. I mean, and it's brought the likes of Mount James there, solidified in that in that first team. So you can't complain at that, can you? But I agree as well. I think that's, uh, yeah, almost closed off now. I think all those boys leaving just completely highlights that, um, which is a shame. But like you said, Adam, if we if we go and win a Champions League, Premier League, again this season, you can't you can't really complain at it, can you?
0: No, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a shame, and I guess you know, in you know, I'd probably you know. It's never going to happen, but one day I would love Chelsea just to field a team of academy players. I'm sure that might just trigger some, maybe trigger some people. But I would love. I know it's not going to happen, so it's fine. But it would be quite, quite nice to see it happen. But yeah, I don't know. It, for some of it, it, is a bit disappointing. Again, you know, it's not quite the same situation because Gerhi, you know, wanted to play football. But you kind of look at it. But if we sell Gerhi, Tamori, and Zuma in one summer, and we save replacement with Jules Kunde, we've lost three centre backs for one centre back, and we arguably had. You know, okay, Gurhi and you know tomori not on that same level as as Kunde. Yep, yeah, you had two young, promising players who probably arguably could have stepped up in the years to come. Maybe it's a lack of you know forward planning. If I'm being a bit harsh, but again, it, it's really tough to saying these young players. You know, they just want to take, they just want to be playing football now. He's gone, for, he's gone through two loans, two really good loans at Swansea. So he wants to play. So you know, just credit credit uh, to him. Right, going to move on. You know, to actually assessing what we've seen of Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. In preseason, they've played some preseason matches. Uh, beat Peterborough 6-1 in very opening game. They're friendly in Ireland was called off due to a COVID scare. They played an inter squad game that ended 1-1. Uh, they played Bournemouth, uh, they won 2-1. They played Arsenal 2-1, and they drew with Spurs two-all. Um, those the Arsenal Spurs games were part of the Mind series, which Chelsea Chelsea have won. Mind series champions. You'll never sing that. Arsenal and Spurs fans, unlucky. <laughs> but no, Adam. You know, pre-season, it can be quite hard to assess sometimes, especially when you've not got... A lot of Chelsea's players were away at the Euros, etc. And you're seeing a lot of players who you kind of question, wow, you're still here type thing. Um, But what are your sort of biggest takeaways from preseason and the biggest positives for you?
1: That's a good question. Um, (laughs) I think my biggest positives in terms of preseason are the fact that firstly, Kai Havertz has looked absolutely razor sharp in the games he's played um, which I think is going to be very important in these early weeks that he's come back looking that fresh and that decisive Um, I think well from what I've been told Callum Hutton-Odoi was having a really really good pre-season was training really well having returned and I I was really hopeful that we would see him maybe as a left winger in a couple of games that hasn't happened uh, sadly but I think it's likely we'll see him start at right wing back in the Super Cup just because Reese, James and, and Cesar Azpilicueta obviously have come back late. Um, contrary to what I put on Twitter yesterday, now that I've been told Trevor Chaliver's, uh likely to be leaving on loan or set to leave on loan, I imagine probably as people start the Super Cup um, and maybe get 45 minutes to an hour. Um, but in terms of... It's been hard to judge this pre-season just because it's been so different with so many players coming back and so many players being... Uh, looked over by Tuchel that I think the most in, important thing or interesting thing was that he stuck with the back three because going into this summer, there were definitely a feeling that he might change things up a bit and might work on different systems in pre-season, might work on a system with a back four, um, but maybe because the players were coming back late or maybe just because of Chelsea's start to the season, given how I think we play. Was it Spurs, Arsenal, and Liverpool inside the first six games? I mean, Chelsea have to hit the ground running, so maybe it's not the best time to still be betting in a new system um, in those early weeks. So, um, I think that might have been the most interesting thing. Just to, from a, okay, this is where we're going this season. Sort of look at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were treated to Lewis Baker at centre back against Bournemouth. That was that was a very nice, nice surprise. He <laughs> played very well. To be fair, we also Did got. Well. You know, Danny Drinkwater for 45 minutes against Bournemouth actually looked quite a good player as well. I guess, you know, Hakim Ziyech, strongish, you know, strong preseason, as well, scored a couple goals against Spurs. Jack, you know, I know it's only preseason, and I'm, you know, you might not have watched a lot of it, but you know, when you Hakim Ziyech is a player who, you know, came with a lot of promise, we were excited about him. You know, stop start for him last year, sure glimpses, but you know, how encouraging is it for you that he's, you know, had a you know, a pretty strong preseason, also given the fact that, you know. To say we're without a lot, of, you know, key players from start. You know, Mason Mount probably you imagine won't be won't be starting the Super Cup or maybe even the Palace game, etc. It's a chance, you know, if Hakim Ziyech to kind of put a stamp down as well and maybe get his sort of earn his place in the team.
2: Oh yeah, for sure, mate. You summed it up perfectly there. That it's his chance to really take a place in that team and almost uh, set it for the first few games because if we're playing this five at the back. Um, which I hope in the future will go to a four-back just because of the attacking talent that we've got. It, it, we, we can you play the double six, and then you've only got three positions, and we've got well, we'll have Lukaku, Havertz, Mount, Pulisic, Werner, Ziyech. That's already six. Um, so it's going to be a lot of uh, players that are going to be sitting on the bench this season, a bit unhappy. But yeah, for Ziyech, brilliant. Um, He showed glimpses of it last season, just it's not consistent enough. So um, to get to get a few goals in preseason is really good for him. And hopefully he can he can take it into the season because like like all seasons, people get injured and things like that. So uh, if you've got someone of that quality that can come into the
0: team, it's it's uh, only good things for our team. Yeah, just quickly, I just realized I didn't mention this. Obviously, with Billy Gilmore going out on loan now, we've act, Thomas Tuchel's, I guess, midfield options from last year have actually gone from four to three in terms of playing. It's all been about double six. Uh, we do you see? In, do you see Chelsea getting that sort of DM sort of signed this summer? Obviously, you know, Declan Rice kind of seems like that won't happen. If it's going to happen, it would happen next summer. Now, uh, do you think that kind of paves the way clear for Aurelien Chouamany from Monaco? Do you see maybe that happen? Do you think there's a decent chance that happens this summer? Or, or, or would you see, or do you think maybe he just goes, right, we're going to maybe, Ethan Ampadu, maybe this is your chance to, to play, because obviously he's actually been, you know, he's in the squad for, for the Super Cup as well. And Rubens, someone like Ruben Loftus-Cheek
1: isn't. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it kind of feels like there's a spot there to be taken by a new signing rather than uh, someone Thomas Tegel has already seen, to be honest. Um, obviously, Ruben was kind of the clear candidate to take that role, but the fact he's not in the Super Cup squad feels telling um obviously again, Trevor Chalaber could have played there, but you know, Chelsea want to learn him out. Um i would be surprised. Obviously, someone like an Andreas Christensen could step in there, but I would again, I would be surprised if that's the route Tuckle took, took. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule out another siding with a caveat of Chelsea. Probably do have to shift about seven or eight players, maybe before they start doing that. Um just on Mason and the Super Cup. I really didn't expect there to be any chance of him starting that, but from people I spoke to after their in-house game yesterday, uh, someone said Mason played more minutes than you would have expected for his first run out in pre-season, and he looked very good. And He obviously scored. So maybe just because he seems huppy-human and never seems to get tired, maybe he could be chucked into the starting eleven. I would still be surprised, but I wouldn't necessarily rule it out as much as I would have done 24 hours ago.
0: Yeah. just quickly speaking of superhuman jack and gola kante just you know got got just walked straight back into it he was right on it. a couple of immense performances in pre-season against Arsenal and spurs he's,
2: i saw that highlights reel of him against spurs and obviously he's he's so so good that bloke um we said it time and time again but he he's just one of those he's like one in a million player there won't be another N'Golo kante and i think he's really cemented that position as the new Kante role rather than Makaleli.
0: Yeah, no exciting. And to say with you know Kante just actually walking straight back in and looking like he's never been away that actually really helps Chelsea in that midfield conversation, especially given you know Jorginho just saying he's hadn't, you know, he to probably play part in the interest squad game, but not actually had like you know minutes against other opposition. All right, we're now gonna discuss Chelsea's opening six league games because as you know fixtures have been out now and the start you make to a Premier League season can often be very important. And in these six games, Chelsea have been drawn, you know, on paper, six very difficult uh, matches. But you could also argue, given how what we've seen of this team on Thomas Tuchel, some games that actually, you know, benefit us right now. Uh, We start the season at home to Crystal Palace. Uh, We then go away to Arsenal and Liverpool. We're at home to Aston Villa, away at Spurs and at home to Manchester City. So, you know, Adam, you look at that. On paper, you go, right, that's not the easiest start. But given how we've seen this play, this team play under Thomas Tuchel, especially in sort of the bigger games. And, you know, now with the addition, you know, of Romelu Lukaku, when you look at those six fixtures, is, is perhaps the slight fear and trepidation maybe slightly gone away?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't fear any of these guys. I think last season that Chelsea proved under Tuchel that they can go and beat the very best teams consistently. It was actually against the lesser, quote unquote, opponents that Chelsea would slip up against. So in that respect, I felt probably more assured about that than I would, not you know, taking on Aston Villa, for instance. Um, although they've strengthened really well, so I'm not sure I should be calling them a lesser opponent. Um <laughs> I think it's going to be very interesting just how Tuchel eases these guys back in and I'm saying that just because there will be a lot of rotation in these early weeks you cannot expect a lot of these guys to have done two weeks of pre-season and then literally get into this Premier League schedule and dive straight in you know certain players will have to play an hour at points and then be brought off others will get 45 and I think we'll see that is how Tuchel manages it Um he's done very well in the past at doing that Um he's Proved last year he could drop people into the side, and he had coached the team so well that everybody knew what they had to do. Um, so in that respect, I think Chelsea is set up well. But it will be interesting. I think you look at the likes of Arsenal. You look at the team Arsenal put out in the uh, in the mind series game. That Arsenal starting eleven looked a lot stronger than Chelsea's, um, just in a terms of having every player back you'd probably want, apart from maybe the Kai Saka, uh, Saka, who was who was coming back late. So. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Chelsea do have to hit the ground running if they're to compete for the Premier League title. We've seen in seasons past with Man City, you can't have a slow start anymore. Um, And I kind of expect Liverpool will be a lot better this year as well than they uh, they proved to be last season. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I don't think I'd want to make any hard and fast predictions about the first six games, to be completely honest. (laughs) Fair enough.
0: Jack, you know, when you look at those first six games on paper... Like if Chelsea, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to make the bold <laughs> bold uh, prediction. How many points, points from those six games would you say you'd be you you expect Chelsea to have, and you'd be you'd be satisfied with? Uh, I'll
2: probably say a, like minimum twelve points. I think fourteen points would be good. Uh, if you say if you're drawing with Liverpool and you're drawing with with City in the first six, yeah,
0: yeah, City at home,
2: yeah. If you're drawing with uh, Liverpool and City and dropping the four points there, then I think that'll be a really, really good start because um, then you've only got to look at the fixtures beyond those and then you see we've got Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley all in a row, which is, if we're in and around the top at that point, that's a really big chance for us to go and uh, potentially extend the lead or or gain on the top, et cetera. So,
0: Yeah. I think 12, absolute minimum. Fair enough. Yeah, look, Crystal Palace is a team that, you know, actually in recent history we do very well against. You know, last year there were two comfortable wins. Under Frank the year before there were two wins, albeit the second one was not comfortable at all. Um, but, in you know, in general, I think Chelsea's record against Crystal Palace is something they've won their last seven in the league, I think. You know, I mean, now now I'm saying this, it's all set up for Mark Gerhie to haunt Chelsea on his return <laughs> with, a, with a last minute, last minute header. But I think you look at Palace, I think, look, you've got the free home games and I'd say you get seven points from Palace, Villa and City. You, you'd be happy with, I think, I, I don't want to, you know, Spurs under Nuno is hard to tell because Nuno sets his teams up quite well. Chelsea do have a good record at Spurs' new stadium, you know, in the league, two wins there. Um, two fairly comfortable wins, not conceded a goal yet, so we'll see. Arsenal. Arsenal is, Arsenal is the tough one because we are Arsenal's Cup final. <laughs> Arsenal often say their best performances. They did the double over us last season, so that one is hard to tell. I think Liverpool, they will be back at it this year. Whether Van Dijk can return to, to the levels he was will be interesting. Obviously, Liverpool haven't actually properly signed anyone this summer, as far as I'm aware, so there might be issues there. Um, but I think if you go to Anfield, I think it always... Seems you know a bit odd to say, but you're always happy with a point at Anfield. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think 12, 13 points, ideally 14 from the first six, I'd be fairly happy with. Now we're gonna sort of make some more slightly bolder predictions. Nail out colours to the mark So I'm gonna ask the guys their top four predictions, their and their predictions for who gets relegated. Jack, who do you think gets top four in order?
2: In in order. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to say I'd love to say us top, but <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll say uh I'll say City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. Uh, I will I think it'll be those four. Um and then we'll just have to see whatever order. Um but yeah, I think those four are the are the teams to beat given how much they've strengthened. You look at United as well, maybe saying four for them is pretty harsh when you look at the back four they're going to have now Shaw Maguire Varane and Wan-Bissaka that's pretty scary but then again i think for them to really go and challenge they really need they need a a centre defence midfielder really so maybe that's why i put them slightly lower um then for relegation um i'm just just having a look at the, who's in the who's in the uh league this season now i think as much as it pains me to say, because I love the way Norwich, the way Norwich play, um, they're just such a yo-yo club. Uh, whenever they seem to come up, they go back down. Uh, so I'll probably say Norwich, say Norwich, Watford, and then um, Brighton. I think Brighton struggled last season. Think they could go, but then again, also I think. It'll be really interesting to see how Wolves do this season without Nuno. I think they could they could potentially struggle as well. Um, but, yeah, I'll go for those three, I think.
0: Fair enough. Adam, your predictions for top four in relegation?
1: Top four, I'd go the same as Jack. Um, I agree entirely with the order that he kind of went with there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also would put May United fourth just because I think Klopp, Tuch- uh, Tuchel, and uh, Guardiola are infinitely better coaches than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, and I still have no real idea why United gave him a new contract, to be honest. <laughs> Relegation, I mean, yeah. Newcastle, Norwich, and I hate to say it because it's an away game five minutes away from my house, but Watford. <laughs> And I really hope I'm wrong on that because having an away game that's that close to you is actually really appealing. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> the top four. Yeah, I think I'm going to go in agreement. I honestly think Romelu Lukaku, I don't think he can quite fire us to the league. And I don't think we're you know, we quite there Yeah, I still think there's that sort of slight missing piece. Uh, given that also, I think the midfield at times can be a slight issue and we probably can't rely on, we can't play Kante like every single minute of every single week. Um, so I do have some slight questions there. But to be honest, if we come second, I'm more than fine with that because I just want to be out of the top four dog, dog fight, which we which seems to be a Chelsea thing for the last four years. So yeah, I'm going to go with the lads, City, Chelsea, Liverpool and United. Liverpool, I think, will we'll have a solid season. But I, I just think they've not signed anyone. You know, their rivals are strengthening as well. And I think Van Dijk is enough to keep them, you know, to get them third ahead of United. And United also are just... Despite all the talent, they will have a period where they're just hella inconsistent and have some freak results, so I'm going to go Unite fourth. As for relegation, uh, interestingly, none of you guys went for Brentford. Uh, I do like Brentford. I would quite like them to do well. I just feel that, you know, their team strikes me as very championship. There doesn't seem to have been necessarily a huge amount of recruiting. I mean, there seems to be some, like, you know, when I say recruit, but have been like this. I'm obviously Mars, but Harris from us, but you don't know necessarily how much of a like, key role he's going to play, but strikes me as a lot of reliance on Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony is in my fancy team though so hopefully he can have a good season but I've got Brentford going down. I'm going to agree with you dads. I've got Watford going down. Uh, just don't really see them having the strength uh, to stay up and then this is where I'm I think Southampton might get dragged into it. They've lost Danny Ings to Aston Villa. Have they re- signed a replacement yet? I'm not oh, sure, no. not yet. So they've lost a key source of goals but at times under hassanut As well, they like just looked wretched and there were Some just periods of form where they just could not. They would just lose for however many weeks in a row and get capitulate Capitulate. <laughs> so I, I do fear for them. Crystal Palace, I wouldn't rule out because mm. they made some exciting signings, but they there is they're just a slight seeing what's happened with Fulham previously kind of just like building a completely new squad there's some tap there's a lot of talent in there you can have questions about how good Patrick Vieira is as a manager so I wouldn't surprise me if they get sucked into it but I'm going to be but I'm going to say Norwich Norwich I think will stay up because I think they the, the style they play I think they can stay up I think also in the championship last year they were a lot more defensively solid than they were the previous time they've come up I think look, Urnbrew in the Esther in midfield is going to pull strings. Billy Gilmore, you know, he's shone in the Euros. He is a very, very good player. I would have loved him to stay with us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's gonna have a big season. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that Norwich will stay up. So yeah, I've gone with uh, Southampton, Watford, and Brentford to go down. Now gonna make predictions for Chelsea in all the competitions we play in. So as a, as a result of playing in the Champions League, we get still sort of playing two sort of most bonus competitions. And in me, two two competitions that we simply have to win. Jack, I'm going to go to you first. How will Chelsea fare in the Super Cup, the League Cup, Club World Cup, FA Cup, Champions League and the League? Obviously, I know we've kind of the league we've pushed up, we've all said we'll come second. So, but how will we fare in the other competitions?
2: A lot of competitions for us to play in, isn't there? Blimey. Almost losing track there. I think I agree with you, Nick. Uh, I've seen us go to the Club World Cup. And mess it up against Corinthians, uh, and that was just depressing. So we can't have that happen again. It should really be an easy uh, addition to the trophy cabinet, um, Super Cup as well. Seen us lose a penalty shootout to Bayern, lose a penalty shootout to Liverpool, um, and and then get battered by Atletico Madrid. That's another one we just need. We just need to, especially. It being this week, just get a, get a trophy under our belt, set us up for the new for the new season. I know it's not the like most coveted trophy, but it's a trophy at the end of the day. So, win the club World Cup, win the Super Cup. I would love to see us just go the extra hurdle and not stack it at the last one and go and win the FA Cup this season. That would be nice for us to go and complete the job. Um, then, yeah, League Cup, it always seems like one of those, the teams rotate a lot, so it's a bit of a difficult one to judge, but we should be going far in that competition as well. Premier League, we've already discussed, yeah, I think second, but potentially push for push for that title, at least challenge City up there. And then Champions League, I think it's it is a tough competition to predict, isn't it? Because you just don't know who you're going to get drawn against, but us being the defending champions, having that behind our back uh, champions of Europe, I think we've got to try and get to a semi final at least if i'm honest um, we don't want what happened the other seasons and uh, last time we won the won the champions league and get knocked out in the group stage and could go into the far, farmers division so we need to keep that consistency and get us back to the level where we were in 2006, 7, 8, 9, that, those kind of seasons where English clubs uh, were right at the top of Europe. And I think, like we've discussed today, um, you've seen how how uh, many struggles the other European teams are having financially. I really do think that the Premier League teams should be right up there in the Champions League. And I mean, the draw probably won't allow it, but you could potentially have all four,
0: all four English teams being in those semi-finals. Fair enough. So, just confirm Super Cup and Club World Cup, you've got us winning. BFA Cup, you've got us winning. We're yeah. going one step further. Champions League Hopefully. second. <laughs> uh, Premier League, uh, yeah, Champions League semi-finals. Premier League second. Just for specifics, League Cup, do you, where, where do you, which round do you see us progressing to? Just so I can note this down as so uh, compare at the end of the season. I'll go semi-final. Okay. Okay. Uh, Adam. How far will Chelsea go in the Super Cup, League Cup, the Club World Cup, FA Cup, Champions League?
1: And obviously you've got Premier League down in second place. Uh, I think they'll win the Super Cup. League Cup, I'm not really fussed about. I mean, I definitely use it <laughs> as an opportunity to rotate the squad and give players some minutes who need them. Um, Club World Cup, I genuinely hope yeah, Chelsea go win it. Uh, it's, not a, uh, it's not a cup that they got in their trophy cabinet, it's a really difficult cup to even obviously get into given the criteria, although that might change uh, in the future Um, FA Cup yeah, it'd be nice to win it Um, wouldn't be overly fast if Chelsea did again use it as an opportunity to give a lot of other players minutes, Um, They someone did that last season to be honest Uh, anyway um, Champions League last four minimum I would say um, given the fact that we spoke about that a minute ago, Chelsea are very good at setting up for games against very good teams and know how to control these games now and should have that confidence of, of going to win them. Um, and the Premier League, I think as you said earlier, Nick, just as long as Chelsea aren't going into the last two or three games with their top four place uncertain, that would be nice. Um, and who knows, maybe they're still in contention for the title in those last games as well. So I'm still not going to pin my hopes on Chelsea winning the Premier League, but I do think they'll be a lot closer this year than they were last year.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say super cup. We've got to win the super cup. We've not won that trophy under Roman yet. So I'd be nice to, to get that one in the bank League Cup. League Cup. I'm going to say, we're going to win it this year. We're going to break Pep's hoodoo of it. Pep's finally not going to win it this year. Uh, the club World cup we're going to win because, uh, I can't, can't not win it. You know, I still hold back against Rafa Benitez, uh, for failing to win the club World cup, Matt Corinthians <laughs> game haunts me. Uh, The FA Cup, yeah, we've lost two finals in a row, so I just can't see us getting as far this year, you know. So I'm going to say we're going to go out in the fifth round. Uh, Champions League, I'm slightly more apprehensive. I'm going to say we might go out of the quarterfinals. I think, obviously, we've got to do better than we did last time. We hold it, and we've actually got to get out of the group stages. We should do. Uh, We should get past round of sixteen. I just look, and again, it's really tough to say, but you look at what happened with Bayern last year. They were so dominant winning the year before, and they got knocked out in the quarterfinals against PSG. It is really hard to predict. But I think Chelsea have just got to start establishing themselves. And we've got to kind of prove that what happened last season wasn't a flash in the pan with this club. We've got to start building consistent performances in the Champions League, start consistently reaching for that round. So I say as long as we reach for quarterfinals of the Champions League, that is okay with me. And I think second place in the league, look, we, we could win the league. It's asking a hell of a lot. I just think there still just are just a couple of just weaknesses in in the team. But we you know Romelu Lukaku solved some of the problems, but he doesn't solve all the problems. So I'm going to say second. But look, if we have a really good start and actually I think our fixtures after February look very kind. We have a like a, quite a brutal-ish period where I think Mendy's away on African Cup of Nations duty, so if Kepa can fill the void there and, and perform well, and we're still in the mix, then who knows? But I'm I'm going to say second for that. All right, this is this is perhaps a, a slightly interesting one. I'm going to ask for your player to look out for this season slash dark horse. So who's one player who you think, you know, people perhaps aren't talking about or has not perhaps set the world alight so far in his Chelsea career, who you think is going to have a big season for Chelsea?
2: Jack? Oh. Um, to be honest, I just don't... I don't see there being many surprises in, in this team. That that's that's kind of my view on it. Um, out of the out of the starting team, who would I say who could have a big season? I think Arise James this year could have a really big season. I think there were parts last year where he uh, went out the team for a bit, uh, etc. So I I I'll probably go for him, but I just I can't see there being a really big surprise like a Tino Andrin and getting a consistent amount games in the team etc yeah
0: Fair enough Adam sort of a player you know who you think might have a a big season who's not perhaps Sean so far
1: Uh, I think it will obviously depend on how many minutes he gets but I really do think Callum could have a big season um, if he does play um, and if he does play off the left when plays on the right Um, so he would probably be my sort of wild card obviously there's been reports that he's up for sale, which I don't think is the case. But if Chelsea were to receive 70 million pounds for Callum Hudson's offer, then maybe they consider it. Um, I think that's where people kind of read into things a bit too much the other day. Um, and yeah, kind of a similar point with Tino Andrian. I think Tino's ready. He's put in the hard yards under Thomas Tucker. He knows the system sort of inside out, kind of like Phil Foden did at Manchester City. He, he can step into that team and know what he has to do. Um, but it will just be whether or not he a, stays around for the season um, and B, if he does, how many minutes he'll get.
0: Yeah. I'm also going to say that this is the season. Callum Hudson-Odoi is going to, is going to shine brightly. And look, I think he's got a chance at the start of the season as well. Reese James coming back from England duty Albeit, I know quite a lot of us would prefer to see Callum playing back front three, but I still think even if he could, you know, put some strong performances, sort of have our right wing back role, that could be really, really encouraging for, for him. Um, Players who need a big season. So, not, you know, this is maybe similar ish to it, but players who actually, whose Chelsea career so far has not quite gone to plan, who need a big season this year before, you know, otherwise potentially we maybe have to consider, you know, moving on from them. Jack? Uh, I think the uh, obvious one is Mr. Timo
2: Werner. Um, He's had a season to settle in, like we said earlier think he could potentially improve his game a lot having a big figure like Lukaku on the pitch and him getting in behind, et cetera. So he there's no doubt about it, he's got to have a better season than last year. Otherwise the fans are going to start start getting on to him, especially this year, people being back in the stadium and things. Um so I hope he doesn't get eaten alive there. Um Hakim Ziyech, got to have a big season, too inconsistent last year. Um Christian Pulisic has got to have a big season. He's almost almost stalled, if you like, his career. After the project restart, he was he was top-notch, our best player by an absolute mile. And on his day, you see the way he dribbles with the ball, gets past people. It, people won't like you making comparisons, but it does remind you of, of, of Hazard when he was at Chelsea. I mean, he's got the talent. He just needs to show it whether he'll get the chance in the formation with these new... Uh, with Lukaku coming in, etc. And Mount looks uh, immovable. And if Havertz is playing, it's going to be difficult for him. But yeah, probably go those three. And then if, if Tammy does stay, Tammy will need a big season as well. But again, I don't know how many minutes he'd be able to get. So it's
0: a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. What I will say is, thankfully, and what's been really nice, obviously, I know you sort of mentioned about fans getting on on might get on Timo's back. What what actually I think has been nice from a few games that fans have been back is I actually think Timo Werner is passed one of the most loved Chelsea players in in this yeah. current team. So hopefully that will will go on. But yeah, some top names there. Adam, for you, who's that player who needs to have you know who needs a big season?
1: Um, yeah, I think T, uh, Timo and and are fair completely fair shouts. But I my, the immediate one that came to mind was Christian Pulisic to me just because. I think we have seen how good he can be. Uh his form during the Project Restart games was absolutely outstanding, but he's had injuries and I just thought last year was a bit of a disappointing season for him. I know he started it injured uh because of you recovering from the uh the hamstring injury he got in the FA Cup final, but he got quite a good run under Frank Lampard uh between Jan- uh December and January and the and sort of goal contributions just weren't there wasn't getting into the same positions um, and then obviously under Tuchel he he was benched for quite a long time and eventually worked his way back in but then dropped out at the end so I would say him just because I think we've seen how good he can be and I think once you kind of hit those heights the expectation is then on you to keep hitting those heights consistently Um, and if he doesn't this year given the amount of attacking talent Chelsea do have um, it's not unfeasible to think that he really does struggle for minutes.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Like Pulisic, he was the one I was going to go for. I think we're looking at a player who I remember thinking in the 1920 season, in terms of actual natural talent, he's perhaps the most talented player we had in that squad. Obviously, we have been signings to that squad since, but Pulisic on his day is unreal. I think, Jack, you've mentioned before, the issue with Pulisic is if he's not on it and he's not on his day, he doesn't often contribute enough. And this is one thing where, say, I don't, I don't want to, you know, cause a divider. Maybe when Mason Mount doesn't score or assist, you feel he still provides a lot. With Pulisic, if he's not scoring or assisting, I do kind of feel sometimes that when, you know, he's not really offering enough. So I think he is a player who we need a big season from. This will be his third season at Chelsea. Thankfully and perhaps critically, he's actually had a like a preseason. We're, we're, he's had, you know, time to work in this team. So hopefully for him that will be. um a big chance, a big chance to, to take. Um, I guess it would be obvious to say Ruben Loftus Cheek needs a big season, but I feel like with Ruben, we've just got no clue how to. We've, we 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 Ruben, we just don't know if if he is going to make it. We we want him to. We all want him to. But it's a question of do we do, how much of a case do you actually necessarily still believe in Ruben Loftus Cheek and can he reach the levels? Because it feels like for a lot of us, we're clinging on to a period at the end of sorry season, which is now coming up three seasons ago. So it is, yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to throw one out there. Mateo Kovacic, I think last, he had. if you look at his Chelsea career, obviously under Sari, you know, didn't look amazing. Under Frank in 1920, I thought he looked good. Uh, He dropped off a bit, I think, towards the end of that season though. And, you know, player of the year. Okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, Last season as well, he was sort of a bit in and out. You know there were some brilliant moments after coming at home but then also you kind of look how he ended the season in midfield you know and there was kind of it, when we were without Kante in that team you kind of realized okay midfield worries me with Kovacic we've got no doubt a, a talented player but it kind of gets to a point where I feel like he is perhaps a replaceable player and you see the likes of I don't know you've seen a Jude Bellingham go to the Euros with England who's at Dortmund you've seen you know Chelsea are linked with an Aurelian Chouameni it Kovacic is a good player, but I just feel that he is perhaps someone in this Chelsea team. If you were looking at Van Midfield of who gets replaced next, I feel he is perhaps most at risk. Jorginho, Jorginho's stock has never been higher now. 2021 is the year of Jorginho. You know, he's he's even dyed his hair blonde. Like he knows he is like at the peak of his powers right now. You know, Kante is one of the best midfielders in the world. It does feel to me out of that like current team that Kovacic is uh, who you feel could perhaps most be at risk of being replaced in the future. We saw against, I think against Spurs as well, but we saw against Spurs some of like the brilliance he possesses. Again, you know, you see the little compilations going on Twitter, you know, around of him. So he is a good player, but I just think of someone. God, I just feel with Kovacic, we've we've seen we've seen a good player, but we've I've not seen enough of him in his time at Chelsea to go, wow, we really need to keep this like we can't live without this guy, and that's kind of what I'm getting at with him. So I would say we need a big season from him. Uh, next can I, uh, up.
1: can I just throw one yeah. more in, Andreas Christensen? He was so good during the back end of last season, Um, seemed to all come together for him, which is what a lot of Chelsea fans have been waiting a long time. And I think he needs a big season just to prove that that wasn't just a flash in the pan, that he is the real deal now. He's matured, he's got the experience and that he can be a central defender for Chelsea for the next five, six, seven seasons.
0: I think that's actually a great shout-out. Because you look at how he started under Conte as well. He sort of, you look perhaps a similar time frame, the start of Conte till Barcelona at home. He he looked really good. And then the form dipped off. And we sort of perhaps seen a similar stretch under Tuchel where, you know, since Tuchel's come in, he's been really good, but we've not perhaps seen it carry on for perhaps long enough to form a really strong opinion. But there's no doubt that, you know, Andreas Christensen has certainly risen up in a lot of people's estimations. Um Jack, who's going to be our top scorer? And please don't tell me it's going to be Jorginho. <laughs>
2: Well, I hope it's double figures this season. I'll tell you that. Blimey, um, it's going to be big Rom, hundred percent. It will be a bit of a big problem if it's not. <laughs> Fair enough,
0: Adam Romelu
1: Lukaku yeah, top scorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, he'll if 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 it all comes together, he should be getting twenty plus. And then I wouldn't be surprised if Kai gets sort of fifteen plus.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I'm going to say Romelu, the Kaku top scorer. Uh, Now I'm going to make, who's going to win our player of the season? So we, who, who is going to be that Chelsea player who takes the award? Our previous winners include Mason Mount, Mateo Kovacic, etc. Who's going to win Chelsea's player of the season this year, Jack?
1: Um,
0: I
2: think for what he could bring to the team, uh, if he hits the ground running and scores a lot of goals this season, it'll be hard to put it past giving it to Romelu Lukaku because him coming in, I think he can just have such a such a huge impact on this team and really, really improve us. So I'd throw him in there. But also the big man off the back of the Champions League finals scored the winner. Uh, his confidence now has got to be sky high um, so he can go into this season knowing he's a proper, proper good player. Um, so I think... I think Havertz is going to have a big, big season.
1: Fair enough. Adam, who do you think will win Chelsea's player of the season? If he plays 35-plus games, and N'Golo Kante. And I don't really think that will be a doubt if he plays 35-plus <laughs> games, to be honest, and if he keeps going at the level that we've seen for the past six months. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think,
0: you know, Kai Havertz, obviously a great shout, a strong end to last season. You know, I think this could be a really big season. I think Romelu Lukaku is an obvious shout being top scorer. And Golo Kante is just a phenomenon that is Golo Kante. Um, right, Mason Mount, off at your peril, though, lads. Mason Mount, player of the season, he's going to run it back. The boys, he's going to have another strong season. Uh, final one before I just want to have a quick, I like, guess, guess at a team for the Super Cup. What's one thing you, would, you hope to see this season? So that can be, you know, team, what's one thing you kind of hope that you see Chelsea from Chelsea this season? So I'll start this one off because I thought about this. Well, I would like to see less of a reliance on Mason Mount because I do feel that in his time at Chelsea so far, he's—I don't say overplayed because he's been very good—but I feel like I, with someone like Mason, I just worry about burning him out, and I don't want to draw the comparison. But you look at someone like Deli Ali, whose career is sort of just flatlined. Who started off really bright, and his career has just sort of flatlined. You don't really know what to make of it anymore. Mason is no doubt a phenomenal player when he plays in this Chelsea team. Everything ticks. But I just do think at times, especially last year, this Chelsea team was way too reliant on Mason Mount. Um, Jack, one thing you hope to see Chelsea this season? I
2: don't know. Honestly, just something as simple as just keep playing, playing the way we're playing, play some exciting football, get the fans going, because I honestly cannot wait to get back to Stamford Bridge and support the boys. So, honestly, something as small as that, you don't... you almost just almost don't realise and you forget about it since we've been watching at home for for this this long. Um, just to go to a game and just be back at the bridge and enjoy the company of ev- all all the other forty two thousand people that share the same share the same passion as you. So yeah, that that's all I ask from the boys, really.
0: Fair enough, Adam. One thing you hope to see this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to go along with a similar uh, vein, to be honest. Just having supporters in for the entire season will be absolutely fantastic and i really hope that doesn't ha- uh, that does happen and there's no reasons for it to not down the line um i also and i'm going to play into other things from a journalist perspective i'm looking forward to the chelsea buffet because it wasn't going on last year and just from a fan perspective i'd like to see less toxicity on social media about chelsea players uh, which i appreciate is probably a dream that will never happen but uh, yeah, that would be nice. The abuse that players get, tagging them in abuse and all that kind of stuff, if that could all stop, that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, lads, you know, they all play for us. So it would be quite nice if you could be supportive of all of them, regardless of if they're your favourite player or not, it would be quite nice. Um, right, just before we go, quick, you know, trying to, we're going to try to cobble together a team for the Super Cup game against uh, Villarreal. This obviously perhaps not be easiest, given there will be some players <laughs> unavailable, if I, if I name some players, I get you guys just to agree and say it for in. So, Mendy starts in goal, yes. Yeah. Uh, right wing back, I've gone Callum hudson Adoy because Rhys uh, James is unavailable, yes. Uh, yeah. Left wing back, I've gone Marcus Alonso because Ben Chilwell won't play and I don't think we'll see Pulisic there, yes. Yeah. Okay, I've gone <laughs> Antonio Rudiger, left centre-back because uh, he's, been, he's been one of the centre-backs so that will be there. He's been there from pre-season. Uh, I've got Kurt Zuma in that team purely because he's one of the only other fit centre-backs we've got. And right centre-back, I did have Trevor Chalabert, but that went off in flames when I saw Adam's article about him going out on loan this year, so that really didn't help. So, Adam, I know you kind of alluded to earlier. Is it a question you just throw Azpi in because he's Azpi?
1: I think you've put Azpi in because he's had a few more days training uh, than Thiago Silva. Um, but equally, he's he's had the same amount as Christensen, so it would be I wouldn't be surprised they both play maybe a half each or something along those lines. Fair enough, Jack. Agree with that? Yeah, agreed. Uh, midfield
0: two is kind of self-explanatory. Uh, Kante and Kovacic, given the fact that Kante is superhuman and Jorginho is just back. Uh, yeah. Front three, uh, I've got Werner. Uh, Werner Havertz and Ziyech I don't think we'll see a Lukaku start in the Super Cup I could be wrong, I reckon we see appearance Off bench and ZH is impressed In pre-season so I think we might see him At a Pulisic, Adam Anything to add, any disagreements or
1: No, no, I think that's fair I don't think Tuchel would chuck Lukaku Into starting eleven off the back of maybe One day's training if that With Chelsea with the squad So yeah, I think we'll probably see those three Okay, so just to wrap
0: up it We've gone for Mendy, Kalamazna, Adoi. Cesar and Andres Christensen will play about half each uh, Rudiger, Zuma, Alonso Kante, Kovacic, Werner Havertz and ZH, where again Piusic, uh wouldn't surprise me right that wraps it up uh, for this episode of Actual Podcast it's actually our 50th podcast episode so it's quite nice that it wraps in for the season preview and as I said start of season three it's kind of mad it's only our second full season but obviously because of the madness of, of 1920 and Project Restart all kind of you know two seasons uh, happened very uh quickly before we go adam give the people uh, tell people where they can find you and also if you've got any you know pieces you know any pieces to look out for this week you know with the season just head the super cup etc
1: yeah i say you know as i said earlier at adam News on twitter that's where i do most of my stuff and in terms of this week it's going to be interesting because i haven't uh, i'm not 100 sure yet if i've got accreditation for belfast so i'm kind of waiting to find out um, as is my wife, who's not so happy about it. Um, but we'll find <laughs> out soon, hopefully. Nice
0: one. Nice one. So, yeah, all Adam's links and football links will be in the description below. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter, at Bad Chelsea Pod, on Instagram, we're About Chelsea Pod, we're on all your usual podcast platform providers. If you do like us, leave us a rating and review. Uh, we also decided to start an FPL league this year. So if you want to better your ego and finish above Jack and I at FPL, uh, go ahead. The link to that will also be in the description below. And as I said, as Jack mentioned earlier, he is running the London Marathon this year. So keep an eye out on our Twitter page uh, for details to follow because hopefully you might have a little signed shirt up for up for grabs and a little raffle for people. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And as I said, yeah, with Southampton game on the second of October not being moved. We'll be there at the second of October for Southampton and then on the day after to watch Jack run a marathon because he's a madman it's all for a good cause uh, until the next episode everybody uh, keep the blue flag fly an eye
1: Sports Social Podcast Network
0: Step into the world of power loyalty and
2: luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you wanna get
1: mixed up in the family
2: business introducing the godfather at choppercasino.com